Ostrich. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just Dan just blurted out the word ostrich before we went live, and it's totally thrown me off. Welcome to the latest episode number six of Disability Horizons TV, and this one has been called Doctor Doctor and subtitled it. Everyone keeps ignoring me. Next, please. And it's about <laughs> our experiences with doctors, both wonderful and not so wonderful. And tonight we are joined by, I should think, a wonderful doctor. We, we'll talk about Mick in a minute. <laughs> First of all, let's say hello to the gang. Oh, hello. Uh, I was oh. going to say, now you see, if I was your doctor, that would be scary. Right? Even I know that would be scary. I'd probably be very good, but um, only at certain things. So I'll just uh, say hello, everybody, and try to get the picture of me being your doctor out of your mind, because it must be horrific. And talking <laughs> of doctors, is, is Doctor Who? <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, you pronounce it right. As I've been told, it's not Doctor, it's Doctor. Doctor. I say it's doctor. But anyway, yes, hi guys. As you know, I could be anyone's doctor. This is my normal hand. This is my surgery hand. <laughs> yes, look at that. Bloodletting, <laughs> leeches, anything. Go for it. And our guest tonight is Grace Spence Green, who I'm going to admit that I, I hadn't seen you on Twitter or anything, but when I saw your story that I've sent the link to in The Guardian, mm. I remembered the story. So it is the one and only Miss Grace Spence Green. I'm looking at that because I've got a terrible memory. Who is a, you're a fourth-year medical student. Uh, no, I'm actually... Oh, it's so weird to say still. I'm a doctor now. I've just graduated. Congratulations, <laughs> doctor. But she's also one of the gang. Grace yeah. is a wheelchair user. Woohoo! <laughs> so welcome to Disability Horizon. So where do you work, Grace? What hospital are you at? So I will be starting at St. Thomas's. Uh, oh, God, next week. Not this <gasps> yeah, wow. very scary. But um, so lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Scary. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Thrown uh, at the deep end there. So graduated, go to work. <laughs> yes, okay. off you go. It's not going to be scary at all. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the deep end. So, Grace, I mean, your journey into a doctor, I mean, is this post-spinal cord injury or had you already started the journey? So, I was actually in fourth year um, of medicine in 2018 when I sustained a spinal cord injury and I was in hospital for three months, took a year out and then jumped back in. And then did my last two years as a wheelchair user. And then I'm going to be a doctor in a wheelchair, which is uh, in both parts exciting and a bit nerve wracking. <laughs> and and how's people, how do people react to that? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I When I had my spinal cord injury, the first thing I said basically when I woke up from my operation was, can I still be a doctor? Because it was sort of, you know, it's my passion and it's something yeah. that I'm so grateful for because it's, something pre-injury that was so part of my identity and I could hold on to that. Um, so that was really, really good. So as soon as I knew I was going back, that was really good motivation to get through get through hospital. But um, I had all these, all my professors tell me, yeah, don't worry, we'll sort it out, you'll be fine. But I'd never seen a doctor in a wheelchair. So I really, I really didn't really believe any of these able-bodied people telling me I could, I could 
practice. So it was only when I started um, looking at some finding. I mean, I have to collect them like um, Pokemon cards. There's so few of us. <laughs> but as soon as I found doctors that were practicing and they were in wheelchairs and you know doing great things, that's when I really was like, yeah, I can, I can do this. And so it was really exciting. But um, the reception has been mixed, <laughs> of course, as I'm sure all wheelchair users know that. Um, yeah. Society yeah. view of us is um, up and down. So. Some people have been really great. Patients have been brilliant to me so far as a medical student. Um, I found they, I think because a wheelchair is such a visible scar, mm -hmm. they instantly yes. know that I've been through something. I must have been an inpatient at some point. So I just feel like they're a bit more honest with me and open, um, which I really appreciate. Um, I think the, the tricky thing for me has mostly been colleagues um, and kind of other people in the hospital is trying to prove to people that, um, you know, I, I can do the things I, I want and I can function as a doctor. Cause I think the bar is so low for disabled people that they're not used to seeing us in yeah. roles yeah, of yeah. caring for other people, as you guys must know. So yeah, it's been a challenge and it, it still is. And I'm quite yeah apprehensive to go in as a doctor and, and you know, face that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it'll be good to get your, your insights into the other side as there's a bit of a peek in what's it like yeah. kind of thing and at this point you're our trojan ask, horse <laughs> before we ask our presenters <laughs> their stories i'm going to pop this up <laughs> <laughs> yeah the person laughing the most is the person we probably need to put that up for yeah, I need, we are going to talk tattooed on my forehead <laughs> yeah we are going to talk about the good and the bad experiences and I think like many, I've had a lot of negative experiences from being overdosed on fentanyl, ended up in A&E, and then when I can, like, say to the consultant, hey, this happened, they're like, yeah, you don't need to see me anymore, you're discharged, to being, you know, in hospital with uh, ECG changes, is it an ECG? ECG changes and all stuff like that, negative T waves, and they're saying, oh, you're very unwell and rushing me all over into London to them walking in and saying, no, your problem's above the neck, not below, get out my hospital. And so I think for a lot of disabled people, this is the problem, isn't it? It's these, the, the disbelief. I mean, it's, you know, if you've got something horrific, if you, you know, get run over by a train, you lose your legs, God forbid, or something like that, then there's not a consultant in the world, I would hope, that would say, I don't believe you. But for many of us that fall between the cracks, it's a minefield. And so we've got Mick, yeah, with his stories for, well, <laughs> mixed stories. Please go gentle with us for his yeah, physical disabilities. <laughs> and then we'll have the other side. Tell me my stories. Yeah, I know. From that. So come on, Mick. What? Are you, give us a couple of your classic it's tricky. stories. It's tricky for me because if I'm honest, I mean, I've been disabled since birth. I was born with cancer, like I always say. And um, <laughs> most people that view this now know my story off by heart. And so I can honestly count the number of doctors who I would say had done things right on one hand and i'm not entirely sure i need all the fingers do you know what i mean that's your left hand uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's my one hand um anyway so i think that um <laughs> you know i mean it, it's um it, so I, if we're trying to be good and bad let's do the good first um i was very fortunate after i was born with cancer that i was given to a wonderful professor called lg capra who Whoa, what a just, oh, he's a superstar he really was and he, he basically treated me for a cancer that up until then was pretty much incurable. I was stage four. It was big. I mean, it was the size of a 
put my fist in a baby. I don't know how big babies are about that big. I think. Uh, anyway, so it's anyway, so it quite big. Um, and it was only when it came out of my body that it was spotted. So all the birth checks didn't notice that my right leg was paralyzed and I had a tumor inside me the size of a small tennis, you know, size of a tennis ball or bigger. But anyway, he did loads of stuff. He cured me. He was amazing. Um, I have had surgery by another couple of surgeons who were amazing and who rebuilt me and saved my life basically um so what i tend to get is i tend to get surgeons that do it brilliantly when it's life or death but the bit before that tends to be a bit of a disaster and i tend to end up in a situation where i'm in the life or death situation because someone didn't spot something when it wasn't life or death so that's been my life story i um i mean the perfect example is in two in 1999 i had a car accident and broke my back again um and no one spotted it because I was already paralyzed. So for four years, I just got iller and iller and the pain got worse and worse and things stopped working and everything was weird. And it was only, eventually I was, you know, like I went to see someone said, I'm in agony, you know, what can we do about it? And the answer was, well, we could sever your spinal cord entirely and that might stop the pain. And it was like, yeah, but it'll stop everything else, wouldn't it? But oh yes, but you know, is your pain really that bad then? Is that the answer? Total paralysis from the, the chest down for someone that's got an impartial break. I've got an incomplete break. So I've got a lot of function. Um, this is the problem, then, isn't it, Mick? Yeah. You know, when we're already unwell, when we're disabled or got yeah. chronic health, doctors just go, yeah, that it's it's that. You do get a lot of people, I think, and I think we've all, I think it's the same experience. And this is why it's so wonderful that we have grace coming on our side. It's that we go to see people and, and they always think it must be because of what you've got. And you don't always get anyone go, ah, but that's not part of what you've got. So let's look at it further. So you end up with a situation where something new comes along that's not actually to do with the fact you're disabled, but they just go, ah, well, you know, it's part of it. And so then it gets really bad. And then you have to have loads of stuff done. And then that adds to more of the stuff you can't do normally. And so it's sort of a vicious kind of circle like that. But yeah, I mean, I've mostly had people not believe me. Um, I recently had a doctor do surgery on me against my wishes. I had not given him permission. I did not need the surgery and it said so in my notes, but because he didn't bother reading them and instead just went, I'm a doctor, I know everything. You're paralyzed, so you know, I know this doesn't work. Um, and it took me eight days to fight to get him to reverse the surgery. Uh, in the end, he wouldn't do it. He got a junior to do it because apparently he didn't make mistakes. Um, um, and that was the kind of thing, I've had that all my life. I found out when I was, 15 and my had my spine collapse and you know we're in the chair uh they said to me if you try hard enough you might be able to walk again so i spent three years trying and trying and trying and i failed and i was like oh well i, I you know i, I obviously am not going to do this I've, I've obviously failed at this and then about three or four years later i was just sitting bored in the hospital waiting to be x-rayed and found my notes and i was looking through my notes and in the back of my notes in a little envelope folded up into a tiny little square was this bit of paper i opened it up and it was the review of my first surgery when I was 15, including the famous line, unfortunately, during dissection of the muscle group, we severed the L1 vertebra, L1 nerve junction. So none of my, that leg would never have worked. And instead of saying, yeah, no, you're paralyzed, mate. They just, because it would mean that they'd have to admit they'd made a mistake. So I've, you know, I, I'm not a big, you know, I don't sing the praises. I tend to watch Super Vet and think, I wonder if I could buy a fursuit because that's the kind of person I want treating me. But I've not had that many of that. I do I have, have a found that spine, but that's something else. I have found that when I go for an outpatient, 
appointment the consultants aren't nearly as good as when you suddenly go in and you see somebody you've never seen before is uh what's the what, what's the word for the doctors not a junior doctor what do they call them come on come on grace no, what's it what's the junior lower, lower than a consultant lower someone like that those are the ones that are the most keen and really really keen to try and figure something out and go right now this isn't good enough they've still got that freshness to them haven't they i mean dan sits astride two points i mean dan you know as well as myself mental health issues but also as the father of somebody who is disabled yeah this must be very frustrating well it's um because emily comes under pediatrics I understand that's what you're doing grace isn't it is it is pediatrics you're that's doing the dream yeah that's yeah the that's the dream because <laughs> our experience obviously with, with emily's care has been nothing but exemplary since the word go i mean the relationship she's built up with everyone at that hospital uh surgeons anesthetists the, the play leader they're talking about southampton general here is is to the point now that she is just a, a family friend when she goes in so there's never been anything really negative obviously from the first diagnosis when we're all taken aback on that first day but other than that the care she's received and the care we've received it has been above and beyond i mean i could honestly say that everyone there is completely and utterly cared for her i mean it's coming up to a year's anniversary since her scoliosis operation wow and, already yeah and when she was in because she was in during the first lockdown uh, my heart just absolutely bled for all these nurses and physicians and doctors running around that hospital because they weren't even allowed fans on their desk because of the the way it would blow the air and blow the spores through there so they weren't even yeah. like that and they were short staffed but they did not fail one instance in making her feel cared for valued happy and keeping her laughing so from emily's wow. pov i would say the nhs has been absolutely incredible every doctor was incredible they don't talk down to her they talk to her they don't talk to us they talk to her i mean obviously before she could speak that was a case of talking to us but no they they've learnt the empathetic link between physician and child and they talk to her on a one-to-one -one. they even get a pda autism which is blow my mind because there's so many people out there in a big wide world who think they still have to speak to her like that <laughs> like like these people are in a carry-on film when they're trying to speak to the spanish waiter do you do chips mate no, it doesn't work like that but it's all i mean it's the learning curve from both sides learning curve for emily learning curve from the doctors but yeah as far as emily's concerned it's just been really 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 good care and when i see how short-staffed the NHS is and when I see the pressure that they're under day in day out on the pediatrics units I just I just want to walk up to number 10 and just kick his door in and just drag him or his words will oh. go my chair down oh. There you go. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no, no. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Sorry, Ken took me unawares there. I just really wasn't expecting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've seen it on the TV. People say, you know, it's great this pediatric care. It's when they then go over up that sometimes it can take. I mean, great. You're seeing it from both sides. So, how have you found your medical care with having medical knowledge? Has it been a strange? Yeah, I think um, it was really shocking because, you know, at the start of the week before I was injured, I was going in as a fourth year medical student. Hospital was really quite a nice place for me to be, good learning environment, etc. And then and then I woke up and I was suddenly on the other side of the bed and suddenly it was terrifying and I felt so vulnerable 
and I didn't trust a lot of people. And it was really, yeah, a humbling experience those three months. Um, I really was really surprised by how little autonomy I had at times, mm. how little dignity I felt like mm. I had a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, I think Nick, you touched on it, but I think consent can be a real issue. Mm. Where I would be consented for something, but you, you need to have consent you know, every step of the way. And yeah. I think that was sometimes lost. Um, I felt like a lot of conversations about my care were happening at the end of the bed and weren't involving me. Um, and like basic things, like I would, eight people would come into my room and they wouldn't introduce mm. themselves. Mm. And I think yeah. I was a bit of a terror on the ward because I started getting really rude and I'd demand to know every single person's name and what their job was and their title, et cetera. Cause it was just, I just was, it was horrible to me. And, and knowing as a medical student that they all had access to my notes and could see what happened or whatever and that they'd know all about what happened but wouldn't even tell me their own name um was just awful um so yeah it was it was a really big experience and i think you guys all touched on some really um interesting issues dan that the fact that i think pediatric care what from what i've seen can be really excellent but um as soon as they they leave that there can be yeah. real issues i know a lot of people in the spina bifida community find that that the the carers kids is amazing and then as soon as they're 18 it's it drops off um but yeah it really it really surprised me and I think now as a medical student it I think a lot of doctors I don't think it comes from a malicious intent but there's a big ignorance there's a real lack yeah. of awareness of disabled people's lived experience and because of that I think there's such a bias on the quality of life of disabled people and I think yeah. that's just yeah one of the key issues because if someone doesn't think I have a good quality of life already why would why would they really give me yeah. the, you know the right treatment options or good care do you know, do you know what Grace yeah. that's, that's it's funny I see the same spinal specialist every year for, for a catch-up and a revise of what's going on make sure it's all still in the same place and every year I talk about my life and every year it goes you seem to be so happy. I'm so glad. I don't meet many happy people in your position. And I'm like, this is a spinal So does that mean that every other patient you have is just not being treated properly and you're not really, why, why, why am I? Or is this just his spill? Is this just yeah. his trying to, I don't know, know but it's, it's, it terrifies me. Cause I mean, I've, I've had a DNR on my notes when I was young. I reported, I was one of the first reporters at the BBC to report on DNRs being put on disabled people's notes without them asking. Um, and it's been, I mean, this is in the early 90s, so this is a long while ago. It's been going on. Black and, and there is this idea. Yeah, I know. I know. It was all, you know, all the, all the old things. There was only four channels. Um, <laughs> and it's true, there was. Uh, so, so the idea that, that our lives, we don't have the same quality of life. And I think that's really concerning. And it's why it's so wonderful to see this new generation. I mean, Sally, one of our wonderful viewers, has just said that her daughter uh, is a wheelchair user. She's got EDS. And she's being encouraged by our consultant to go into medicine. This is great. Because the last time I was in, we for the first time ever, I had a wheelchair-using psychologist come and see me. And we had this instant bond. We talked about stuff, and she went, I know exactly what you mean. And I, you know, I'm, I'm 56 this year, so I've had 55 years of doctors coming in and talking to me. And this was the first person in the medical profession that got it straight away. We had a bond. And I cannot imagine the feeling of wheeling into a consultant's office and the person that greets me is also disabled and going yeah 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 it you know it doesn't even have to be the same thing it can be any impairment i don't care yeah. just the idea i i know what it's like yeah. to have my life judged less 
because one of the big problems is we are kind of like it's like going to a car mechanic and they only deal with ferraris and then you wheel in and you're some clapped out little mini <laughs> do you know what i mean you know or even worse we're, a lot of us are like something made by the mutoid waste company in that we're all bolted together wrong but we kind of work a bit and they're like oh, well, you know, I only deal with Ferraris. I don't know how to deal with you. And you're like, I like being a crappy, broken down sort of classic that's held together with tape. And, uh, you know, I, I, so, so the idea of knowing that the future is going to be more and more, we're going to be represented in the medical profession is just going to be amazing. Yeah, this is why I'm really passionate about getting more disabled people, um, you know, into medical school, into, into healthcare roles, because I think a lot of young adults I've spoken to that are disabled just say they've never seen anyone like them. They've been told by someone that they can't do that and because they haven't seen anyone, they just don't think it's possible. And I think it's it's really difficult for a disabled person to get into medical school. Mm. Basically, I think all of the doctors I know that are in wheelchairs were injured during during their degree. Uh, um, oh, I, I see, think, yeah. yeah. It's really hard and I think that needs to change, but it's, it's such a big issue that it is. Well, and yeah, it's so important. Society, that, that, that link, that bond. But like Mick was saying about these doctors that expect us to fix it, my big problem has been orthopedic doctors over the rest, apart from pain clinic, because I think they're the fixers of the doctor world. And you've got mm. a lot of, in America, they call them the jocks. You know, mm. you've got the orthopedics, how we do it, it's all big, tough work. And, you know, we bolt things together. And they really just want to fix. And my, I've said this before, my orthopedic surgeon couldn't handle it once I'd had this osteochondrital graph where they took the knee apart and drilled out from various places and I recovered from that through to all these different surgeries and then a knee replacement and then saying to me, it doesn't hurt, you have a metal knee, it cannot hurt, yeah, it's yeah. metal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I said, no, well. I have, it's not a patch. I've been to medical school, but yeah. I think I've got muscle and nerves and skin yeah. around this, uh, down to fighting them for amputation. As you know, I caused myself oh, massive man, problems. Yeah. Ended up seeing a psychiatrist because I said I'd do it myself. But, you know, we, we I think we just grow tired. And one thing I want to talk about is taking back control mm. of your mm. health, of your medicalness. I've come away from hospitals because... I became a patient and a lot of people can get caught in that where we're constantly chasing. I haven't got a firm diagnosis on anything. They've all said it could be all these little bits and you chase all the time. I see a new doctor. He might say, is it this, is it this go back to neuro, go back to them. But sometimes pulling back as long as it's medically safe to do so sometimes gives you more control and you feel mentally better because you've, you've brought yourself out of that whole cycle of chase. Yeah. But, I mean, really, I mean, what we need is to be giving people also tips. You know, one of my yeah. big tips is I now, it's all written down before I go in. I've got my questions. Here's my list yep. of symptoms, my yep. meds. And if he doesn't listen, I push, or him, her, how sexist. I push the piece of paper in front of said doctor and say, read that and answer yep. those, please. Because otherwise you go, it's like a yep. like revolving door. You go in, you get spat out, and you're like, Oh, no, I didn't say that. Mm. I mean, so, I mean, tips. What we really need is tips here for people to take back control of their health. Well, I think... I, well, well I, I, I mean, I'm quite lucky. I studied to be a medical social worker. Long before I was Mick Scarlett's TV and media star, I wanted to be <gasps> basically Grace. I wanted to be disabled working in a, in, in rural national orthopedic, actually. That was my goal. That's where I went. Uh, I know that's where Grace went as well. And I wanted to work there 
as the social worker, because I had such appalling social work when I was 15, I cannot explain it. Um, but anyway, so I studied that. So I was studying a nursing exam, like a qualification in nursing and a social work exam, because I wanted to do the both. But unfortunately, Margaret Thatcher cut the social work numbers down, so I couldn't do that job. So I went and became a pop star and a TV celebrity instead. But I had a lot of knowledge. And my top tip is get knowledge, folks. So here is my neuroanatomy book that I bought that is actually a medical book, like a, a, a um, an actual textbook for um, nurses and doctors who are studying. Uh, I have a collection of them. So every single thing that's wrong with me, I know all about. Um, doctors I are going to call you a hypochondriac. You know, this is uh, the problem, isn't it? Uh, well, you I, know used too to have much. A, I had I had a gastroenterologist who used to insist, she used to ring me up and talk to me in Latin. And oh, it got to be a competition because I knew enough about my condition and what the medical terms were to be able to talk back so she if one i never forget one day she rang me up and she spoke in almost entirely in latin and i was on my laptop while we were talking and i was typing <laughs> in what she was saying so by the time I, it was my turn to reply i knew what she was talking about because by this time it was way above my you know <laughs> head and in the end she insisted that i went to another doctor because <laughs> 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 apparently i i i wasn't uh, following her uh, her advice and it was like no i want to it's just i want to make sure that it's the advice that works but i really think knowledge is it no for those of you like you know like like myself and like grace like you know that ha have a diagnosis that we can you know follow get knowledge so that you can talk knowledgeably i mean i can't imagine how wonderful it must be to be grace to go in and go well as a practicing doctor myself uh, because then they'll, they'll immediately go oh well i can talk to you like an equal and we have to fight for that so well, even really the stuffy old chap in his three coat i doubt it <laughs> and the other one i think of course is is that it's changing over time like when we when i was young you didn't you know every, i mean everyone just talked over your head all the while you know it yeah. really was like you know you were just this piece of meat that they were going to muck about with until they either broke it or fixed it but now younger people are coming up they're in the society they they see equality they understand better and i think that's a really important thing to remember is you know old gits like me that moan and rubbish and they got everything wrong we're talking about i mean i'm don't forget i'm talking about 1965 when i was born my spine collapsed in 1981 so i'm talking a long time ago i mean you know um royal national orthopedic had a children's ward back then called zachary merton ward it's now a shambolic wreck of a building that's got no one in it um so it, it's so long ago that things were completely different and i think that's one of the things to remember a lot of the doctors i see now are brilliant and it's it's just that like any human being we always talk about the bad stuff we don't yeah. tend yeah. to talk about the good stuff and yeah. i find that when you get someone that cocks it up they tend to be old and they also tend to be quite high up so they've kind yeah. of promoted themselves into a position where they're not allowed to get things wrong Funny <laughs> well, you say, yeah. I, think I think that's absolutely right the few that have been have been uh, actually quite terrible and, and and cold as the sith lord have been yeah. the ones that are generally about reaching retirement age or, or, mm. or have a hyphenated yeah. name or something like that or got something mm. stuck in their throat and speak of the results. And it must be hard for them because years ago we were all ignorant. Now we've all got the mm. internet. I know, but th these are the few that the old guard who are leaving the yeah. service. I think as we are supposedly becoming a more inclusive society, I think the junior doctors coming through are seeing that they're a bit more open-minded to people, to children and stuff like to disabilities and, and they're learning as they're seeing more people come in because the number of disabilities is driving with, with long COVID as well. There's, there's, there's causing much more disability in society as people are not recovering. So they're seeing more of it and they're learning more of it. They're learning how to speak. But 
I will say with Emily, there's always the, like I said, that one-to-one -one dialogue with her, with the operators now, if we go in, they will speak to her. If it's, if it's an operation that's, as we call it, like a, a vanity operation, if she wants to have her legs straightened and stuff, that's her decision. She'll be in charge of that conversation. They will speak well, to her. Being tested, she doesn't want to do it. Yeah, she, she won't do it. But it's, it's just, I'll, the biggest tip I would say is, as a parent, is we had to push to make sure we were listened to originally way, way back in the past. And now across the notes, it's just listen to parent written across the note because no one knows a child really? better than a parent. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. No one knows a child better. And we mm. find that that happens all the time now. But I just wish, I just wish they go back to those notes every so often so I don't have to keep keep repeating yeah. the list of medication she takes every time I go in. So now yep. I'll just give it to Emily to say, Mervicol, uh, suppository, yada, 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 yeah, yeah, yada, yeah. yada. Yeah. I just, yeah, it I just wish weird. they would get that list. Don't you think yeah. that's one of the weird things that we all share is that we yeah. go in every time and even with someone that knows you, they go, so um, what was it again? What, and you're what like, you want? And then, you want? then you get the, you get the different notes from every different one yeah. person you see. And they, and you even though you've said the same story, yeah, they've written it down different. Yeah. So you're like, no, I was, I was born with cancer. I didn't have cancer at 15. And it's like, did you not listen? You know, it's it should be on the computer. It's not like in the old days where you carried a pile of paper with you that they lost all the while. They're all connected yeah, now by, the, by this thing it. that we're using. So kind mm. of, it, it amazes me that you're like, mm. why am I telling you all this again? You must be, yeah, I know you've got not much time, but please... Oh, no, yeah, yeah. The downside. There's no Emily's talking, obviously, that we can't get away with the fact that saying, yes, she has a lot of morphine. Can we take a lot of morphine home, please? Is, is that okay? Yeah, just give us all the morphine in the hospital you can. I'd like to take that home. Yes, I mean, this doesn't happen anymore. You know, we, we oh, get a 10-minute appointment. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I've got a straw in my oromorph. Um, you know, we get... We get a, how long do we get? 10, 15 minutes unless mm. you really are confident and you sit there and you're like, no, I'm not moving. And they're in there, right, right, what has happened? And you're like, wow, you know, I want to talk about yeah now and yet i've got to, it's like starting a journey again every single time because you do the, the the registrars i remembered that word the registrars rotate and so by the time you go back and i always get the uh come and see me in six months which means i'm just going to see someone new every time i mean i've got an open appointment but i think they just said that to get rid of me um so grace come on we need these big tips we need this this advice that you're going to give us for dealing with these doctors to get the best out of our appointments and the best for our care yeah the inside Ooh. track <laughs> i think coming from me as a patient more i think my big advice would be to really learn to advocate for yourself and i think i've only really learned to do that in the past eight months effectively um and be really clear and it might take a while to actually decide what your needs are but if you are very clear with your needs that's really really helpful and I think one thing is if you feel uncomfortable, absolutely say, and like I know it's, I think paternalism still prevails unfortunately in medicine. So it can be really hard when a doctor is telling you, like for example, I was um, at an appointment, rheumatology appointment the other day and um, she was saying, oh, okay, you need to be on um, uh, tablets for your bone density. So we can put you on these, there's an injection, but I, you should be on the tablets. I think it'd be better for you. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I was thinking in my head, I thought, actually, no, that doesn't fit with my lifestyle to have a tablet yeah. every week. I'm not going to do that. I'd rather the injections. And so then I was like, actually, no, sorry. Sorry, can I just, I, no, I'd rather this, this because, you know, this. And, and of course she was like, that's fine, you've, you know. But if you don't say, um, and it can be really 
difficult to, especially when you've got some specialist who's or a senior consultant and they're telling you what you yeah. think, mm -hmm. you know, but mm -hmm. I think the main thing to remember is that this is your life. You know your body better than anyone else. So really be confident in your decisions. And if you feel uncomfortable, absolutely mm -hmm. say, because no one wants to do anything that makes you uncomfortable, but it can be hard when you feel like you're pushed down a route that you actually don't want to go down. But I suppose, because I suppose they, they've got us, they've been to uh, university doctors, college stuff. So they they have a specific route they want to go down for you, mm -hmm. yeah. where they're yeah. actually thinking that you've got an alternative route. So they're coming from that medical point of view that I, I should be doing this and subscribing this and, and offering yeah. you this, where they don't actually think that you may be vying for a different alternative. So I can sort of like see the the two juxtapositions there, where they come from and where you come from. But it's always, it's really good when you meet in the middle and they actually just said they will go, oh we yeah, get that okay, relationship. If that's what you prefer then, yeah, if that's what you prefer then, we'll, then we'll go down that route. So I think that's really, really refreshing. Mm. I mean, can we actually say, good. yeah, can yeah. we say, no, I want to see X doctor because I've seen him before. I don't want to go over it again. How yeah. can we actually say to a doctor, great, you know, a registrar, look, I'm really sorry. I don't want to be rude, but I don't want to see you. Or is it tough? Yeah, that's not rude at all. I think it's just, it's tough in the sense, I think, especially at the moment, the NHS is so mm. um, burdened that it's, I think, can meet the issue with that can mean that you then might get an appointment months later so it's yeah. it's difficult to weigh up yeah but i mean it's it's obviously really important and i think it's still important to say you know even if it, it could be possible you never know so i think it's really important to say exactly what you need um and yeah and see because i know it's really frustrating to have to explain again and again what your whole history is you're not there for that i know it, it feels like very precious time if you've been waiting for an appointment for five months you don't you don't really want to start again with your history. So it can be really, really difficult. And I think, yeah, yeah I mean, imagine it, it's, it's 40 years this year since my spinal cord injury. And uh, it's now, it, it used to be the, hey, what happened to you question? But you were like, oh, here we go. Yeah. But actually now it's when you go to a doctor and they go, so um, why are you in that? <laughs> And you can't help it. Your little devil comes in and you think, well, I, you know, what story can I make up today? I was actually hunting sharks. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you think, no, this is not the place to do that. You've got to be exact because otherwise, like I said, they'll come up with some story. But what I was going to say is the other ring, I mean, I don't advise, advise everyone to try and read books this detailed because they are very, it's very de uh, detailed. It's very scientific and it's quite, full of quite gory pictures too. So if you were, <laughs> we, you know, disposition avoid it but it does teach you that actually what teaches what's taught in textbooks isn't always correct like i know that what my body should be doing from the level of break i have t12 l1 l2 i should have a lot less function than i do so when i go in one of the things i always make sure to tell anyone is oh it wasn't incomplete it's not a crush not a break so i actually have and then i list some of the things that do work that shouldn't and that's really helpful. So another tip is, like, like Grace said, know your own body, know your own thing. If you're going in with something new, say, I'm not sure this is to do with the other stuff we I've seen you about, because, you know, it might be, but I'm not sure. Um, because then at least they'll start looking at stuff. But also go in with your greatest fear. Because I had cancer as a baby, I'm always on the lookout for a possible yeah. new cancer. So I go in and I go, well, you know, I had cancer when I was a baby. Could this be, and immediately I'm sent off for, you know, MRIs and that, and then they go, no, you're lucky it's not cancer, it's something else. But I, I know what I want to be done first. So I think that's really important. Be 
don't be afraid. Don't be shy. Don't, don't, don't think, oh, and also have no shame. <laughs> right? No, I if have you're no going shame. in to talk about stuff that's wrong with your bum or your bits or your bladder or what, just go in and be completely open. I very lucky, I very early on developed a thing of being able to totally disconnect. I am, I'm able to disconnect my brain completely. So someone can be doing all manner of unquestionable things to me and I'm not there. So it, it you've got to back be able to, to be, back to mix youth. <laughs> yes, back, yes back, back, to, back to my bedroom. We won't go into that, but do you know what I mean? And I think that that is really important because you can get hung up on, oh, I don't want them to look at that and I don't know. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's much more important to be alive than to be modest. Yeah. So I mean, just go I, I there have and to hold my truthful. hands up at this point. I've had issues since during lockdown, probably last June, where I know that. I'm having issues that it could be. I get this confused. Prostrate, prostate. One's laying on the ground and one's up a bum. But it's one of them. Yeah, and I know I'm getting issues with the the urine flow and everything. And I should see a GP. Can I and just I say that something that something that doesn't get talked about very much is if you sit down for a long time, it can cause scar tissue in your urethra. I know this because I had the surgery done. And so you feel like you've got a prostate problem and you don't. Oh. You've actually got, because you're, you and me, Zach, we're quite heavy guys. We sit on our bum. Our bum isn't that Rude. developed. It gets a bit squishy. <laughs> so basically it can cause problems. So there's your folks, a little bit of detailed information about my own biology. But See, I, had I Googled that, it and it said I, I was going to die. <laughs> I had that fixed, mate. And I'll tell you what, it's scary because suddenly you feel like a powerful horse. So when you go, go and go, go to your doctor and just say, I need to see a urologist. And then that's it. Bang. Done. She'll say you'll take the piss. And I, and I she will. And I tell you what, I was terrified of having that done because no one likes surgery down there. And I kind of went to sleep and it was like, ooh. And I woke up and it was like, oh. And then a week later, it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I didn't realize that you could actually go to the toilet like that. Uh, and again, that was because people thought, oh, well, he's paralyzed. So he won't be able to control his bladder. Yes, exactly. So it wasn't looked at. So yeah. it, again, it's knowing what you, you know, um, it's knowing what you can flares, do. So I'll get down to doctors. Not more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that's because it's keeping inside you, mate. You're <laughs> filling up you're like a little balloon swilling around. Get it all out. Not, anyway, that's enough. I'm, that's enough of personal medical details. So this is it. See, there you go, Grace. I could have been a doctor. Hello and welcome brilliant. to Mick's medical half hour. Like <laughs> yeah. I love it, Mick. And I think you actually I mean, make a really important point um, before that as well because I think what's really helpful for doctors if you go in and you spell out your number one priority, your number one concern first, because a lot of the time, if that's not communicated, your doctor's gonna think it's something completely different because they might have kind of no idea how you live your life and what what is a priority for you, what's important. So I think that's actually really important to like get that straight at the beginning so then there's no miscommunication down the line. Absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah don't think of that, do you? You know, going in and say, look, ah, I'm, I'm really scared about this. I've got a couple of, um, Hang on, let me get... I'm trying to juggle here. I've got a couple of things. We had Tina who sent in... She's got a horror story from a doctor. Um, a new neurologist ordered an annual review for her epilepsy medication and oh. said, no, you need to increase it. And she's saying, well, no, it's... Basically, it's worked for 17 years. Yeah. yeah. And she ended up in A&E. Yeah. You know, it's really? because my, of my, my side effects. My wife's dad was profoundly epileptic and he had this all the while. They would be giving him two or three of the same pills with different names. So he'd be mm -hmm. massively overdosed and, you know, he, he uh, fainted on a, on a tube track, 
he fell over on a zebra crossing. You know, he's been hit by buses and all. You know, I mean, he sadly died recently, but but really, he 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 had all of that, and that was again because he was far too kind of. He'd go to see a doctor, and it'd be like, oh, well, they know best. That they they're, they're going to try and fix me, mm. and he would let them do anything. So they'd say, oh, we've got this new drug, we'd like to try it. And rather than say, well, hang on, it's the same drug as the other drug, but it's a different formula. Yeah. They'd give him both. And he'd just yeah. go, yeah. So well, that's basically again, what, went, that's what happened with me, you know, with pain clinic. I was on yeah. buprenorphine and I was on the, the the highest dose of buprenorphine. And this old, across the old consultant said, I'm going to switch you to fentanyl because even though they work the same, you will know that your body will react differently and it may work. And so he, I was on a 54 or something, 52 dose at the time. So he gave me a like-for-like like dose. He said, I'm going to put you on 50 plus of fentanyl. And I thought to myself, hang on, I thought fentanyl was twice as strong. But he was the consultant, so I went yeah. with it. And then yeah. I was in A&E, mm -hmm. unable to breathe. I was really mm -hmm. struggling. Mm -hmm. I, I hadn't clicked. This is it. No. Yeah. But, you know, you're right. We do trust them. And so they yeah. go, right, here's a prescription. Take that. And we're like, oh, thank you. So yeah, so very grateful. No, you're right. And it's going to be interesting from, from Emily's point of view when she hits adulthood and she makes that transition for pediatric, mm. how she will be judged and how they will speak to her and how they will talk about medication to her. That's going to be a very interesting aspect. Obviously, it's not going to happen for a while, but I'm hoping that the, the, the care and the progress uh, and the intelligence from the pediatric team will at that point enhanced into further mm. on down the line with the further medication as society hopefully yeah. progresses with inclusion and stuff mm. like that and talking about disability and more more disabled gps and people are going through into medical school and coming out so i'm hoping there'll be a bit of a sea change yeah. by that time that happens i mean we've got brilliant people like grace coming through and obviously hannah barnum brown coming through yeah. and more and more people coming in who are suddenly thinking look i can be a, i'm in a wheelchair i can be a doctor i can do whatever i want to do and yes you can you absolutely can so fingers crossed but obviously we can't have this dhtv till about another five years time when unfortunately of course we I'll can be, by I'll that be, time we'll have our I'll own channel i'll be, I'll be on 54. all day we'll be all day all the while just non-stop us waffling like this 45 minutes they'll look at that as a dream time when they could yeah. turn it off and watch the football <laughs> I just want to say, Tina did email me a couple of her stories, as did Nigel, what I'm going to do, because it's so difficult to get these stories out online, and I very briefly skipped over it. I'm going to uh, pitch a post to Disability Horizons TV to talk about this more, put mm. some tips on there, um, whether it yes. be one of their writers or myself, because, you know, there's a lot to go in. It's very difficult to, you know, when you're reading out something long online, my draining on voice, it, it it's really quite painful would require yeah. its own set of meds so we are coming up on time we may even finish dead on time tonight no. so i'm gonna say we've got 47 seconds till the alarm clock goes off look so, at that, that we, like time this. We, we finally reached that point where we look like we know what we're doing <laughs> i don't know about I that i don't know about that <laughs> yeah part of, our, so, part of our joy and it's part of our charm <laughs> So before we go, and I know we've done this before, but Mick did this last week with tips. We're going to do one tip. If you're going in, you've got an appointment, you're going to see a consultant, we're going to have one tip. Oh, from me. Uh, I would say be Mick. positive. Um, and Yes, Mick, thank you. That's you. That's you. That's you, darling. That's your cue. Yeah. Uh, be positive. Be confident. And I'm going to stop the alarm, so I'm going to go off while I'm talking, and I don't want that. So uh, be confident. And also, like Grace said, that thing of – know what 
your top issue and, and Zek said know your top thing that you're going in for because we do tend to save it up and we'll go in and go oh by the way and then there's this bit and is that bit related and oh, what about this and can i have some more of that so go in there with your top one but don't let them fob you off you know if they go oh well there's nothing we can do about that say well can i see someone else can i can we take it up can i see a specialist can i see because you know i've had to do that in my life and i'm i wouldn't have been here if i didn't so it can be life-saving or it can just improve your quality of life but always know that it's important so don't let don't put it off get in there get seen yeah yeah dan come on a tip as give us a tip as a parent and also as a patient oh as as a patient uh oh that's for both one. that's a tricky thing with mental health because uh always it is end up, ended up going to the doctors when i'm in a really low mood and of course when you're really low mood you can't really have any conversations so that, that's quite a tricky one do you but, think they um, take us less seriously with mental health as well possibly but obviously uh, as a carer as well and someone who relies on me 24 7 i think they uh, they just obviously need to up the ante a little bit with us because it's prevalent in the care community anyway but uh, speaking from a parent point of view i'd always say make sure your voice is heard and engage your children in the conversation let mm -hmm. your children have, if they're you know if if they're verbal let them have be part of that conversation because as they get older these things will fall into their lap so they need to be aware so engage them in the conversation and with the doctors make sure they talk to them and don't talk over them so don't do what the doctors do basically you'd be just as involved in your children as yeah. doctors should be it's their lives and uh, regardless of they need to be involved because like i said mm. emily is now getting to the age where she will make the decisions whether she wants this a leg stretched or anything if it's a non-emergency that's down to her now it's down to yeah. her and grace we want an insider tip like a secret yeah. like a game cheat one of these yes. is there a handshake we can do? is on, there, is on, there a doc's handshake we can do that indicates that we are part <laughs> of the gang we get the special treatment oh, and i'll be free next tuesday at three because i've got a problem <laughs> i couldn't possibly tell you a secret um, oh. I'm just probably going to reiterate what, what all you guys have said, but definitely be really confident and clear in your needs. Because and you know your body. I think listen to it when you think something's wrong or you're in pain. I think definitely mm. it's really it's really hard. I say this and make it sound easy, but it's really hard when you're a patient to try and advocate for yourself. But I think yeah, being really clear in your needs and what is a priority for you that needs to be fixed. I think yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you, Grace. Well, I mean, that's great. Thank you so much, Grace, for coming on here. And we wish you all the best with your career. I mean, Absolutely. We're going to come back in 20 years and see if you're just as keen. <laughs> all <laughs> I know is I want, Grace, alive, I, want Grace, I want Grace to give up paediatrics and go into spinal cord injury at Stanmore uh, <laughs> because I know someone that will be at the front of the queue going, see me, see me. No, no, no. She's got to come to Southampton General. That's where it's at. That's where the hip doctors go. Not the hip <laughs> doctors. You know, not the, the only problem is the last thing you want to be is a wheelchair user at the Royal Stanmore National Orthopaedic because it's just a great big hill, isn't it? <laughs> oh my I God, don't know. Yeah. I've been offered to they build a hospital for people that can't walk and they put it on a hill so just to keep you in your room. You're not going anywhere, mate. So is great. that the one so that's all, all the way in? It's flat all the way in. It literally is flat oh, all the way in. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they've got three costas. Three? Oh. Yeah, three. Three costas. Wow. They've all got costas me? now. South End sold out and gave their foyer to Costa Coffee. And so when you're wheeled through for surgery, you go through the foyer with everyone's... Grab one on your way. 
that's, that's something else I want to say. We're going in for a sleep study in two weeks. Me and Emily are going for a sleep study on the Sunday night. We're basically, we go in and we just go to sleep where she has a BiPAP on to measure the levels. Yeah. And we're always stuck in a ward, funny enough, with no one else in it. No one else in it at all. And the cost is right outside. So I am really looking forward Idea. to this hospital appointment. <laughs> Really but it will ruin point. your sleep study as you're awake vibrating after the 12th coffee. Like, <laughs> you don't sleep at all then, Dan? No, that's it. Uh, have no, you no, noticed no. that our waffle at the end has completely killed Zek's brilliant timing of the programme? Oh, yeah. we we've overrun by two and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah. What, national anthem? It, it's, <laughs> dip, well, dip, dip. Good luck to those of you that are following the football. Mick and I are both going to switch it on and go to sleep. And But I know I'm many sorry. of you out there are excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But please don't let it be an excuse that you end up in A&E and needing the help of a doctor yes. just because your team won or lost. Yeah, and that is that. I'm yep. going to press the button now in broadcast and then we're all going to talk about you and your Smash comments. It. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye.